Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. I could never do that. I could never drive that kind of a car. Well, why not? Well, I'm on a fixed income. Well, who fixed it? Certainly not God, right? But then you get around people that maybe live a little bit better than you. Again, maybe just financially, just whatever it might be, but they inspire you, right? And there's something to be said for that just to stir up faith on the inside of you because God said he's not any respecter of persons, So if you see somebody that's got a nicer house than you, it's not for you to covet it, but it could stir up some dreams on the inside. God, I like that kind of house, right? I I still love going through, and and, and it amazes me again that people just, that they're so so short-sighted in their dreaming that they can't even do this because like, well, what's the good? I mean, when we go to Tulsa, I mean, they've got some phenomenal huge subdivisions with ginormous houses i don't know if i'll ever live in a house like that but i sure love driving through those subdivisions looking at those houses and like whoa yeah check that out and it don't deflate me it don't depress me it stirs something up on the inside like whoo if if somebody built that then that means that it's possible for somebody to build that for me right so, anyways, hopefully you can grow in your thinking as well. Amen. Because I'm just purposing to let God stretch me this year. Praise God. <laughs> I'm saying that because, uh, or as I'm saying that, I'm thinking of uh, Pastor Scott Webb. He was ministering at uh, uh, Cleft of the Rock just uh, oh, a couple of months back. And as he was ministering, he used to be uh, a police officer. He's a retired police officer years ago. And he said he always liked carrying a big gun and he said he always carried a 44 magnum you know the biggest gun made he said you know it's like dirty hair he said do you feel lucky punk well do you you know he said he just loved having that gun because it was such a powerful gun well so uh yesterday i met uh, chuck for lunch I, I was driving through saginaw and so i was there a little bit early so i went over to what was it gander mountain or what's what's that cabela's or one of those over there. So I was over there and I was looking at some ammunition and I've got a 45 and I'm thinking, well, 45 and 44, you know, they got to be close because they're just one number different, you know, and I'm thinking, well, 45 is pretty big. And then this guy came up beside me and he picked up a box of 44s and then he left and I'm thinking, I want to check those babies out. So I opened up that box and those 44s are huge. I'm like, whoa, that's a big bullet. And I'm thinking, that's got to really have some kind of recoil when you shoot that thing. But when I saw how big that bullet was, I'm thinking, I think my next gun is a 44 Magnum. <laughs> Don't tell my wife I said that, all right? <laughs> what am I saying? Just seeing the bullet, it inspired me. I'm like, I need something bigger, man. So <laughs> anyways, God can inspire you and stretch your faith in all different kinds of ways, right? Amen. All right. Do I have my glasses over here? Did you bring those or did you forget those two? 
<laughs> I didn't ask you to bring those. I think they're my, uh, I think they're my, they're with my gun. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, then we better track that down real quick. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for just coming together tonight. God, I thank you that, God, you're expanding us, you're stretching us. God, we're just endeavoring to grow and allowing you to take us further than we've ever been before. So we thank you for that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, uh, just all day today, as I was just kind of searching my heart as to what God would have me minister, there was this scripture that just kept rolling around in my heart, and it was, guard your heart and your mind with all diligence. And then guard your heart, another verse says, guard your heart with all diligence, for your adversary is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so that just kept stirring up on the inside of me. Guard your heart with all diligence. And so I just began to look up some scriptures. And so for the sake of time, I've got some written down here. And so you can turn there if you'd like to, or just write them down if you'd like to. But Philippians chapter 4 Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be, be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. And so, as I read that, there's a few different things that stand out to me. Number one, that it says that concerning guarding your heart, it says to pray, but when you pray, have thanksgiving. Well, why would you have thanksgiving? Or why would you bring thanksgiving? Because thanksgiving comes for, or comes when you receive something. But obviously, he's saying, when you pray, give thanks. So obviously, you don't have it in your hand right now, so you're operating in faith, right? And therefore, you're bringing thanksgiving when you're going to God and you're having a need. And thanksgiving produces or gives way for the peace of God to enter into your life because you're settled in your heart. God, I thank you. And therefore, it opens up the door, makes way for the peace of God to begin to guard our heart and our mind. And then it goes on to say this. Now, concerning guarding your heart, he says, be mindful of what you give your attention to. Meditate and think on the right things. So therefore, being thankful, stepping out in faith to give God thanks, and being purposeful to uh, uh, think on the right things are sandwiched, or I should say sandwiched, that guarding your heart produces peace, right? So that tells me, in order for me to guard my heart, it's an intentional thing. To guard my heart and my mind, I have to be intentional to do so. And so to be on guard means that there's, there's got to be some opposition that is wanting to get to my heart. Wanting to get to my thought life and my mind, even my emotions for that matter. So therefore, you're going to have to be intentional 
to do something to guard your heart and your mind. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22 through 24, the Amplified says it this way. For they are, he's speaking of the word of God where he says it's health to your flesh. Verse 23, it says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard. He said, for out of it flows the springs of life. Put away from you false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk. Put them far from you. Notice once again what he says. He says, guard your heart with all vigilance. And he said, above all things, make sure that you guard it. Because out of your heart flows the issues of life. One translation says, the wellsprings of life. The King James says, out of your heart flows the issues of life. So in other words... If you want life or the life of God to be flowing in your life, to see it evident, he says you're going to have to be intentional to guard your heart and mind. And he says, again, out of all that you do, I want you to hear this. Be vigilant. Guard it. Because from that place is where, where life comes from. Okay? First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5, it says, be sober. Be vigilant, there's that word again, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Now, that word sober simply means being in soundness of mind, being in control of your mind. You know, when you talk about not being sober, the substances that would cause you to not be sober, how it's defined is a mind-altering drug. And so, therefore, what he's saying, he's saying here, make sure that your mind isn't altered. Make sure you don't let your thinking, your thought life, your mind be altered, because when it becomes altered, your adversary is walking around and just waiting for that to take place. And when it takes place, that's when he has the opportunity to devour you. Now, Have you ever noticed that when it comes to your thought life, your actions, your attitude, it don't just happen overnight, or I should say it don't sour overnight? No, you don't come out of the womb having a bad attitude. You don't come into this world thinking, man, I just got stinking thinking. No, babies are so innocent, aren't they? They're pure. They have faith to move mountains. They believe the best of everybody. It takes time. For your attitude to get bent out of shape, doesn't it? I mean, I, I can think of people that they, they are so sweet. Or I could say they have the potential of being sweet. They've got great hearts. But they've allowed their life to be so tainted by experiences. That man, they're just as grumpy as can be. And, and they are going to let you know it if they're having a bad day. And I'm talking about Christians. You know what I mean? This is like, my goodness. I mean, don't you dare get them in a bad mood because they just might cuss you out. I'm talking about believers, right? I mean, think about that. Just, just We're talking about guarding your heart, guarding your thoughts, guarding the things in which you say. I just want to, don't, don't raise your hand. But let me ask you. 
When you get mad, when you really get ticked off, do you start cursing? Do you start cussing? I mean, it's not going to send you to hell. You know, I, don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. But my question is, is why do you ever allow, allow your vocabulary to change? Right? It's just because all of a sudden your attitude has changed and you let your mouth get uncontrolled. Well, what if Jesus was standing right next to you? Well, I wouldn't do it then. So you can't control it. <laughs> yeah, you just choose not to. And there was a day, there was a time that if your pastor was around you, certainly you would swear that those days are long gone. And it's funny to see how people talk sometimes. But are you getting what I'm saying? Just simply, uh, it doesn't happen overnight, but it's something that through time we give ourselves permission. And as a result, what takes place? We begin to become sluggish in those areas. And we begin to open up the door for the enemy. And again, that tells me that the enemy is looking for people that have stopped guarding their hearts. Stopped guarding their minds. Think about it. If you're strong spiritually. In fact, I'll I'll use this example. A buddy of mine, he's a missionary to the Philippines. And just a powerful man of God. Man, I have so much respect for him. And, and, And just mightily used of God. But he's told me on different occasions, he says, the, the enemy knows my, 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 my weakness. He's a single man. And so he's looking for the right woman. He's my age, if not a couple years older, still hadn't found the one yet. Might be him, I don't know. <laughs> but, but he's told me that in his travels, that the devil always knows how to push his buttons. Because he says, whenever I get weak spiritually... There's always that woman on the the plane ride or on the train ride that just happens to come around. And he says, I can't tell you time and time again how many times I've been propositioned by women. That they, you know, we get off the airplane, don't know that woman, but she says, hey, I've got a hotel. Want to join me for the night? He says, the devil knows exactly where my my weakness is. And he, he understands, I am spiritually weak right now. I've, I've not been guarding myself, and that's when the enemy comes. Well, you and I are no different than that. The devil's seeking, he's roaming, he's looking for people that have let their guard down in their heart and in their mind. And when he starts to see the guard come down, that's when he attacks. You ever been there before? When you start thinking, oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> I can identify. That's when the enemy's done his best damage in my life. Sure. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 8. It gives us a, a, a window back when the children of Israel had, had come out of Egypt. And the Bible, and I'm going to paraphrase this for you. But it said that Israel had come into the possessions, had come into that which God had promised them. And it says it was through the election or through the leadership that they obtained those things. So in other words, they followed leadership. They started functioning and and, and taking advantage of the blessings of God and the promise of God. But even though they obtained that through the leadership, the Bible says that they were blinded or spiritually blinded. 
And it goes on to say this, that God gave them over to a spirit of slumber. What's that mean? It means that here they are walking in the blessings of God. But because they let their guard down, they're spiritually slumbering. They're spiritually dull. They haven't guarded their heart and their mind. And if you recall the children of Israel, they kept going back and saying, wasn't it better when we were slaves? I mean, what kind of idiot says that? Those that have let their guard down. Those that haven't guarded their heart. Those that haven't guarded their mind. Saying, wasn't it better when we were slaves? And and that's what we're seeing today. Is that there's a spiritual slumber. But even though there's a spiritual slumber. We're on the cusp and we're at the very beginning of a spiritual awakening. I mean, God's moving. If you'll just get quiet and you look around, you'll man, God, you're doing some things. God, you're moving. You might say, well, tonight there's just a small crowd. You know what? That don't move me anymore because I know that God's moving. I know that God's doing some tremendous things. I know that God is stirring up a hunger on the inside. And it's just a matter of time before it starts to, to grow. It just takes a little spark to start a fire. And so what are you doing? You're getting ignited. You're getting sparked on the inside. And it's just going to be a matter of time when we begin to see things happen. Why? Because even though there are those that are slumbering, God says, I'm moving. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But I I want to bring some things to your attention concerning that. Because it's important for us to understand or have some wisdom and revelation and understanding concerning these things. And, and, And... As I was thinking about this guarding your heart with all diligence, it it drew me back to a conversation that we just had this past Sunday. Uh, Every other Sunday night we meet together with a team and we just discuss some things. We, We project, we plan, we discuss Sunday. And this particular Sunday or this past Sunday, rather, um, just through the course of just service, you know, sometimes Things can just be clunky. And and so I was thinking, man, how how did today go uh, on Sunday morning? And one of the questions that I asked the team, I said, hey, I said, you know, I ministered on tithing this this morning. And I said, how did that come across? Because I never want this subject of tithing. Now, again, just bear with me. I'm not talking. I'm not preaching on tithing. But it's for the sake of the example. I just I want to take a moment to bring this out. But as I was saying, you know, I never want... There's ever be any pressure for people to think, oh, they just want our money. Or, or for people to, to think that it's all legalistic. Again, I want people to understand and see the faithfulness of God. And so I just asked them the question, how did it come across? How did it feel? And so they gave me some wonderful feedback. And it just as we were talking, one of the things that we, we had talked about was saying, you know, it's in times past, you know, it's easy as as a church or just the church as a whole to get into this one sided mentality that, well, if if we don't do this, if we don't tithe, then God's going to punish us. And so therefore you get into this fear of, well, if I don't do it, then God's going to slap me upside the head. And obviously that's just so incorrect. That's not God's heart, is it? God's not up there saying, well, you didn't do it. You know, I'm going to smack you. Now, that's how I grew up, but 
That's why I'm lopsided on the one side. But anyways, you ever notice me? Look at me close. You'll, you'll notice that my, my nose is crooked. Now, I won't tell you which one of my parents did that, but no. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Mom, Dad, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but on the other side, we were talking... God's not on this side looking to punish us. But then there's this other side where people say, well, there's this extreme grace where God don't care. And therefore, it's not a big issue whether or not you do. God's not concerned. He just loves you so much. And obviously, there's a side of error on that as well. And so as we started to talk about that concerning this principle of tithing or this idea of tithing, that there is a reality of not God punishing us but when we choose not to obey god when we have wisdom and understanding or we've been enlightened that that's god's heart then there is consequence and the bible says that the devil has an open door why because we have become spiritually sluggish we've not guarded our heart and our mind and therefore we've let the cares of life distract us and we make the choice not to and therefore because of that the devil has the opportunity to devour and become that roaring lion in our life right you tracking with me yet on the other side of that we don't tithe just simply to get the reward of god well god i'm doing this just to get something from you But right in the middle, there is the truth of both sides that we've got to have wisdom and understanding about. That when I know what God wants me to do and I choose not to obey, there is consequence to that, right? On the other side, when I choose to obey, there's reward. But we ask the question then, why do people choose not to? It's because one, there is this lack of understanding or lack of concern i could say lack of concern that there's consequence right that's the only reason why uh, you know a person that well I, I just i choose not to because well i guess i just don't really care whether or not there is any kind of consequence but just on the other side as well if we choose not to then obviously we say well i really don't care if god wants to bless me or increase me And at the core of that, we say, God, I'm okay just doing things my way. I'm okay with the position that I'm in in life. I'm okay with just doing things and maintaining and really being my own person. And God, I don't need you in my life. I want salvation. Again, I'm not talking that you're not going to heaven. I'm talking about Christians, but I'm just saying that's really the mentality of God. I'm okay just doing it myself, right? Now, again, with that principle, that's applicable to those that don't receive Christ. Because those that choose, they're, again, they have allowed a spiritual slumber to come on them or that they're living in. Therefore, they don't see the consequence. Oh, there's really a hell? Well, I guess if I go to hell, I'll party there with everybody else there. Or to say, there is a reward of going to heaven? There's all kinds of people that you know, that I know, that you've had those conversations with them, that they know that there's a a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, but they still make the choice and say, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm okay doing 
my thing. And it's because of a spiritual slumber, right? So, why does the enemy work so hard getting the church into a slumber? Now, again, I'm not talking about tithing now. I just use that as an example to show the benefits and the the, the blessing and, and the curse of it. So why does the enemy roam and look for those that become spiritually sluggish? Those that are no longer guarding their heart, that are no longer guarding their mind. Talking about believers. Because if he can get people at that point of slumber, he can begin to ruin and wreck their life to where they are no heavenly good. Where there's no benefit to the life of other people. Okay, now look. First Peter. First Peter chapter 4. The devil comes to devour, to consume. The word devour simply could be defined as to consume. Let me just ask you a question. As a church, not, not us, but just as, as a church... Is the church consumed? Are people consumed? Man, we're so consumed. So distracted. I mean, my wife is on her phone right now as we speak. That's how consumed... That's what she's looking at the Bible app. We're consumed, right? I mean, you go home and you've got all kinds of things on your phone that you can look at. That Have you ever watched TV and been surfing Facebook at the same time? All the time. It's just like... Are you watching TV? Yep. Well, how come you're on your phone? Well, I'm doing both. Right? And when you think about being on TV, do you remember back in the day when you only had three channels? And if you turned it just right, you could get the UHF channels, you know, the, the, the PBS channels. Now, how many channels do you have on TV? You can get cable. You can get Internet TV. We get consumed with stuff. And just all the extracurricular things of life. What is it all about? It's to devour, to consume, so that we are so distracted and spiritually slumbering that we don't have the ability to be any good to to, to people. Now, I know that was all heavy, but here's the good news. Even though there is a slumber that has been on the church, that the devil has been working extremely good to devour, to consume, to get us distracted. Jesus said that there is an awakening that's coming. God said and prophesied back in Joel, he said, there's coming a time where I'm pouring out my spirit. And listen, we are on the front edge of that. In fact, let me turn there. Turn to Acts chapter 2 if you got your Bible. Honey, you got to get a Bible with big print. <laughs> this, this is too... Oh my goodness. Wow. All right. Verse 14. And Peter stood up, or standing up, with the eleven. Oh man, this is hard. Raised his voice and said to them, 
men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this, let this be known to you and heed my voice. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour. It says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet, prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall have visions or see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on your maid servants and on your men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor of, of uh, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be wow shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the coming of that great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass. Now here, all that was said to get to verse 21. He said, I am pouring out my spirit. Listen, if you think things look bad, you know, the Bible says this. It says, as sin abounds in those days, as sin abound, how much more will the glory of God abound? I know things look bad, but we're not going out of here with it being a limpy, uh, defeated church. We're going out of here being the glorious church without spot or wrinkle. We are going out of here being the example of the bride of Christ. We are going out of here with people longing to be where we're at. We're going out of here with people envying us being the body of Christ. He says, I know it looks bad. But in those days, before that great and awesome day of the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Meaning that I'm going to move supernaturally to where there is no doubt, there is no confusion, there is no consuming, there is no slumber, there is an awakening that's coming. And when that happens, he said, it all happens for this reason, that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So again, I come to this point. Why is the enemy working so hard to distract the church, causing us to slumber, to get us in a position where our hearts are not guarded, to where our minds are not guarded? It's so that we can be no earthly good, no heavenly good to those that are lost. Well, if my mind's on other things, then obviously I, I, don't, have, I don't have the first concern about somebody that's going to hell. Right? Well, my family, well, they've heard it. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, there's times that you just get kind of ticked about it. It's like, well, if you want to be stupid, well, then go to hell if you want to. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's got a choice. But we purpose to love them anyways. But he says, the reason that I'm pouring out my spirit is it matters to people. God wants us and where the church is coming into is coming into those days of supernatural living. Now again, don't let that word get you all weirded out. These days of living supernatural is stepping out of the realm of the natural man that is consumed, that is just living naturally. But stepping into those days in the realms of the supernatural life in Christ is the life that God wants to use us. So that means that he's going to use you to build the family of God. Let me ask you the question. When was the last time that you led somebody to Jesus? I mean, it is one of the most supernatural things that you can do. 
a person that was going to hell, spiritually dead. And because of you, you gave them life because out of your spirit flows the issues, the wellsprings of life. When you opened up your mouth and spoke into their life, they received the life of Christ. And therefore, they once were in darkness, they're now in light. They once were going to, head, going to hell and were dead. Now they're going to heaven and now they're alive. You talk about supernatural. That's as supernatural as it gets. <coughs> but God using us. <coughs> In our team. That's one of the things we have challenged ourselves. Is to invite people to church. And actually, we've, you know, as I've been kind of thinking about it we've just kind of let it be loose how many people are you inviting to church we put in there how many people have you, have you led to jesus and so we've kind of let it get loose and since well i invited somebody to church well, i've told somebody about church but i don't want to just tell somebody about church i want to lead somebody to jesus when's the last time that you ever led somebody to jesus that's why we exist is to introduce the life of God to somebody. And so I just want to challenge you. In the weeks ahead, why don't you just step out, be bold enough just to say, God, send somebody to me. And you might just sense and know that the conversation is starting to shift. And let me just, let me just encourage you. There might be times where you even know that God was orchestrating it and you started talking, and it started talking about church and God, and you're knowing that God is just, he's just, he's just setting up the pitch to you so you can take a big swing and knock it out of the park, and you step back, and you're like, oh, he put it so perfect right across the plate, and I just dropped the ball, I didn't, I didn't close the deal, I didn't ask him, I didn't, I didn't pray with him or anything, and that's okay, don't be hard on yourself, just recognize God you got me to that point. If he got you to that point, he'll get you there again. And then just take the next step of faith. This is one of the things that I'm expecting, what I'm believing God for, and what I'm going to personally be, be initiating myself is just leading people to Jesus. You realize that as a pastor, this city is my city. It's your church. It's your city. You might be on the outskirts, but this is our town. This is our home. This is our harvest field to win. These people, they don't need to go on somebody else's account when they stand before God and say, yep, I'm here because the person over in Saginaw asked me to, to know Jesus. Well, thank you for Saginaw, but I want somebody that's around here at GVC to say, hey, that's our fruit. That's our reward. I want them to, to be recognized that I'm the one that led them to Jesus when we stand before him. And so... My heart is, is that we're just going to begin to be very dogmatic about reaching people. And whenever we step out, God's got your back. And I'm, I'm excited because I know that this is going to become something of fun. Where we start having conversations and you're excited to tell somebody, Man, I was at Walmart and this person, and I prayed for them. And they accepted Jesus. And man, tears were streaming down their face. I mean, they had snot running out of their nose. We had to get a Kleenex box off the shelf just because God was just there, man. And just to hear those stories. And then to hear you pray for somebody that was sick. And to hear the stories that's coming.
because we're not getting off of it. Those are the days that we're living in. Those, that's the awakening. God moving and pouring out His Spirit. I <clears throat> went up to uh, Cleft of the Rock yesterday. We borrowed their lift to do some of the work in here. And I was talking with Pastor Karsten. And this, this past Sunday evening, they, they have a Sunday evening service. And there was a man and a woman that came into their service. And he said that he was just sharing some stories about some things that God had done in his life. And he said at the end of the service, this man was just weeping profusely. And he said he had said hi to him when he came into the service. And what he didn't realize until after the fact, they had came to his church a while back, but for whatever reason, he says, I, I forgot that they had, they had came here. And he said, and then after the fact, he said, uh, uh, our, our, my, some of my people said, hey, you know, you know, can you go talk with him? And he said, after the fact, come to find out he was drunker than a skunk. He had came to church and he's just, he's just, I mean, drunk. And so one of the stories that Pastor Carson had shared is that when he received Christ, he was instantly delivered from alcohol. Instantly. He said, I never drink again. And he said, that guy is just weeping profusely. And he says, I need to be free. He said, because I'm an alcoholic. Pastor Carson says, well, I'm going to pray for you right now. And he said, and the same thing that God did for me, he's going to do for you right now. He said, he prayed for him. And he says, I, I, I put my hands on him and began to pray for him. He said, I'm just waiting for the anointing to show up and praying for him. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, the power of God hit him and knocked him flat on the floor. He said, he got up. He said, after he was down there for you know, a, a little bit, he said, he got up and he's like, I'm sober. I am completely sober. And the man's countenance just changed. The next morning, which would have been Monday morning, he called and he says, I want you to know I'm still sober. I feel so free. Thank you so much for praying for me. What am I talking about? I'm just talking about God showing up, setting people free wherever you're at. And you know that people are hurting. People are trying to cope through life. God wants them to be free. Amen. And he wants you to be the vessels that he uses. Because obviously he can't do it of himself. He needs us. Come on. In these next months, you might be that individual that's skeptical. Say, man, I don't know if I believe in healing and miracles. By the end of this year, you're going to believe it. By the end of this year, you might just be the one that just so dared to step out and say the prayer with fear and trembling. Oh, God, I hope you do this. And God just blows your mind. It's like, wow. That was amazing what God did. Those were these days. Mark my words. By the end of 2017, we will hear stories of God's goodness, people getting saved, people getting set free, people getting delivered, not through a preacher, but through the body of Christ. And I'm excited because it's going to get contagious. I'll finish with this. I know it might sound intimidating where you're thinking, I don't know if I could ever pray for somebody that received Christ. Or I don't know if I could ever pray for somebody that was, was sick. When we went to Bible school, we got around just some crazy people. 
that were just bold enough to just believe God. And when you see God show up, you start getting a little bit antsy. Like, I want to do that. I want God to use me that way. I want to see that for myself. It's contagious. It's fun. It's exciting just to see God back you up because that's all he's wanted to do. And you talk about igniting a fire on the inside of you to have a passion to know him and serve him. And the rewards are coming just because we choose to be obedient. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that these are great days that we're living in. I thank you, Father, that we are not like those that turn back. We don't slumber. We don't sleep. For God, we guard our hearts. We guard our minds with all diligence. We thank you, Father, that we won't get offended. We won't get hurt. In fact, God, I thank you that the eyes of our understanding are being enlightened and opened. For there are things that the enemy has prepared beforehand. Snares that are set down the road. Relationships. Circumstances. Situations. And so God, give us the wherewithal to see in advance. Give us wisdom to sidestep and to avoid the pitfalls that are ahead. For they are ahead. But God, I thank you that we see through the eyes of the Spirit having the wisdom of the Lord, and therefore we walk upright circumspectly in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that great days are ahead. We thank you for just performing your word, for you said if you would preach the word, I'll confirm it with signs following. So God, thank you that signs do follow in Jesus' name. We thank you for a great Sunday coming up and a good remainder of the week. Jesus' name. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life